0: Good afternoon. Thank you so much for tuning in here at godsredeemed.org. As we continue providing studies and sermons and opportunities for learning, I invite you to open your Bibles if you'd like to follow along today to the book of Luke, chapter 24, beginning in verse 13, where we're going to read about our burning hearts, lessons learned, from the road to Emmaus. This is a favorite passage of mine, I want us to actually read all of these 20-some verses quickly, and then I want us to make some observations about the text that I think are important, not only historically in the context of the risen Savior, Jesus, and what happened on the road to Emmaus, but things that are true for us even today. There are, I believe, certain passages that give you chills. And this is one of those passages because of the words that are used in there. So we'll read quickly, beginning in verse 13, where it says Behold, two of them were traveling that same day to the village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. And so it was when they conversed to reason that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? And One, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days?" And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this today is the third day since these things happened, yes, And certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying, they'd also seen a vision of angels who had said he was alive. Certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He says, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Verse 28, they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening. And day is far spent, and he went in to stay with them. And it came to pass, he sat at the table, took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. And here comes verse 32, the place where it seems to me that chills come to our body. They said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road? While he opened the scriptures to us. They rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered. Saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. They told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. I love this passage for so many different reasons. I love the idea of Jesus appearing but yet not appearing. Jesus being hidden but then Jesus being seen. There are so many lessons that we learn from this road to Emmaus and we could talk about it for hours but I want to just talk about a handful of things that we learn or that we can be reminded of about our burning hearts and what happened on the road to Emmaus. Number one, I want us to appreciate the importance of talking about spiritual things. You know, there are so many things that we can talk about and that we do talk about, and that's okay. We get together with one another and we talk about the latest in sports. We talk about the latest in politics. We talk about all kinds of things that are going on in the world. But the more important thing that we can discuss with one another is the spiritual things. Cleopas and his friend talked of all these things. Well, what were all the things that they were talking about? Well, I thought about that and I, I made a list of five or six, seven things that they would have been talking about because there was lots to talk about back then just as there are lots of things that we can talk about today. They may have talked about all the miracles. Remember all the miracles that Jesus performed? Remember what he did to blind Bartimaeus? Remember how he uh, restored the sight of Bartimaeus? Remember how he had given hearing to the deaf? Remember how he had healed Peter's mother-in-law? Remember how he had walked on the water? Remember how he had made water into wine and can? Remember all these different things that he had done? What a wonderful set of memories, and now we miss him because he is gone. What about all his compassion? I love reading through the book of Matthew, for example, in chapter nine, and reading all the different times that compassion is used, referring to Jesus and his kindness and grace shown to others. What about the horrible trials that had happened in the hours that were illegal in Jewish law that Jesus had to appear, whether it be before Caiaphas or before Annas or before Pilate? What about the cruel beating that he had endured? Maybe they just shook their heads and said it's so sad that he had to endure that beating and the mob scene. And of course, the crucifixion itself that they would have likely been witnessed to and they would have been familiar with. There were lots of things to talk about In verse 14 where it says all these things. The fact of the matter is, is when we think about the things that we talk about today, we should do the same thing and talk with each other about spiritual things today. And you know what? There's lots to talk about. What about getting together rather than talking about all the events of the world, we talk about the things that we've been learning in our studies. What have you been studying personally What have you been reading on your own? What have you been learning in your studies? What about what we've prayed about recently? I think sometimes we're reluctant to talk about the things that we pray about and the things that we go to our God and petition Him about. What about what we're excited about for our futures or maybe even what we're a little bit anxious about for our futures what we're concerned about going on, and how important it is to strengthen each other. You see, we have lots of things, and that's just a handful of things that we could talk about in terms of the things that are spiritually important to us. If you go back to the text in verse 19 of chapter 24, the Bible records Jesus saying, "'What things?' And when Jesus spoke with Cleopas and his friend, he simply asked, what is it that you're talking about? If Jesus were to appear to us today, maybe as we were talking with a brother or a sister in Christ, he might ask, what are you talking about? Are we talking about wholesome things or are we talking about unwholesome things? Are we talking about spiritual things or are we talking about things of the world? Again, there's nothing wrong with talking about things of the world. But we need to make sure that we are engaged in spiritual conversation with our spiritual comrades. Jesus wants us, that's you, that's me, to testify about him. What does he want us to testify? Well, first and foremost, that he is mighty. We need to understand and then communicate with others that Jesus is mighty. And secondly, that he was executed for us or more accurately, that he laid down his life for us. Because you remember in verse 20, they said he was condemned to death and crucified, which is true. But we know that Jesus laid his life down. Here's the thing that I want us to point out and just ponder for just a few seconds before we move on. And that is if you and I Are not the individuals who testify of Jesus Christ who will? And we know the answer to that, that if you and I don't testify of Jesus, no one will. And that's a scary prospect. That's something that's frightening because we are, as we sometimes sing, the only Bible that the careless world will read. Sometimes, though, there's another observation that we can make, and that is sometimes what we hope happens doesn't, and that's good. You may say, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, let's look at the text here and appreciate what's going on. These two men, Cleopas and his friend, were hoping or looking for something or seeking something, and they were disappointed it didn't happen. In verse 21, for example, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. We know what they're talking about. Physical Israel and a physical king on a physical throne in physical Jerusalem were all of the trappings of what they were hoping for. Their hopes were rooted in earthly desires. A redemption of physical Israel and the political powers that be. And overthrow the Roman government. This nasty government that was harmful to Christians and harmful to freedom of the common man. And that's what they were hoping for. You know, Jesus could have come to this earth and redeemed physical Israel in that way. And we would read about it in history. But that would be the limitation of our reading about it. That would be the culmination of that story. But instead, we read about Jesus redeeming humankind in a more powerful way. Because Jesus Christ played a more important and more powerful role. Consider, if you would, what Peter's hope for Christ was as you compare what the Apostle Peter had to say on the subject. Go back to Mark chapter 8, verse 31. And I want to just read three verses there in verse 31 beginning. It says, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly such that Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him and he said... I, that, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to step in and stop that from, from happening. But when he turned around and looked at his disciples, he, Jesus, that is, rebuked Peter, saying, get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. In essence, Peter was guilty of the same things that Cleopas and his friend were guilty of. The idea of hoping for things in this life and things in this world. Redeeming physical Israel was not why Jesus came. And you know, the irony of that is that some view Jesus as coming to this earth as a failure and that he did not accomplish his plan as he otherwise would have. That's deferred this thing from the truth. We know from Genesis chapter one that, and then chapter two and three And compare that to texts like Ephesians chapter 1, that before the foundation of the world, God had promised a Messiah that was going to come and redeem mankind, not a physical nation. So Jesus comes along here on this particular occasion, and he points out their lack of spiritual foresight. In verse 25, he says, You are foolish. And are slow of heart to believe. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? In essence, he says, you lack faith and you lack an understanding of prophecy. And we can be of the same way by only seeing life through our eyes. And instead we have to consider what God's will is is for us go back just a page or two in your bible to luke 22 in verse 42 where the bible says father if it is your will this cup take it away from me but not my will but yours be done in fact we are told in james chapter 4 that when we pray that we are to pray for the lord's will and not our own let me suggest a third lesson that we learned from the road to Emmaus, and that is when it comes to Jesus's message or the message of Jesus or the message of Christ, it is exciting and we should approach it with enthusiasm. Without Jesus and without hope, how were these men? Luke 24 verse 17 describes them as being very sad. In fact, Jesus approaches them And without them even saying a word to Jesus, just listening to their conversation and uh, interpreting their body language, he says, why are you so sad as you are walking along this road? You know, it's interesting that our sadness can be seen or can be expressed in our body language. But Jesus says, I don't understand why you are so sad. Well, compare this sadness to the excitement that they felt after they knew the truth. Go back and look at verse 33 in chapter 24. In verse 33, where it says, they rose up that very hour and they returned to Jerusalem. I want us to know just a couple of things about that particular text. In chapter 23, verses 33, 34, and 35, it says that very hour, they didn't waste any time. They were excited about what was going on. And when they got there, at least in in my imagination, there was this competition between the 11 apostles and Cleopas and his comrade as to who was going to share the news the quickest. You ever have one of those conversations where you say, I've got something really exciting to tell you. The other person says, I've got something exciting to tell you. Right, you go first. No, you go first. Well, who's going to go first? The 11 apostles were really excited because while all of this was taking place in Luke chapter 24, verses 33, 34, and 35, and the preceding verses, you recall that the apostles had had the opportunity to be reunited with Jesus as well. They had seen Jesus. He had been risen, where in chapter 24, the first dozen verses or so, he appeared to Mary. He appeared to the other Mary. He appeared to Joanna. And you recall that in comparison texts in Mark and Matthew, he had appeared to Peter and then to the other apostles. And so these two men, Cleopas and his friend, wanted to share their excitement with the 11. The excitement about Jesus is contagious. And the more we are excited, the more others will be excited as well. Without Jesus and without hope, we will be very sad as well. And we need to appreciate that particular event and that particular concept that without Jesus, there's no hope in our life. Without hope, we'll be just as sad as well. When I was thinking about this, I thought about two particular texts in the New Testament, one in the book of Ephesians and one in the book of 1 Corinthians. And I wanna actually read those uh, three or four verses here because I think they're important to help us to understand the mentality that is associated with Jesus being not present in our lives. In chapter 2 and verse 12, at that time, Paul says, You were without Christ. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers from the covenants of promise. You had no hope. You were without God in the world. You know, there are certain passages in the Bible that are exciting. Luke 24. And then there are certain verses or passages that are just deafening and sad. This is one of those. You are without hope. You are without God in the world. Compare that with 1 Corinthians 15, where in verse 17, he says, if Christ is not risen, that if there's no risen Messiah, you, he says, Have faith that is futile. You are still in your sins. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, verse 19, we are of all men the most pitiable or the most miserable. So we need to appreciate how exciting the message of Jesus Christ is and that with Jesus we have hope we should be incredibly excited about that, and we should share that excitement with others. This comes back to something that we've talked about now over the last six to nine months in terms of our evangelism, our sharing the gospel with others, our being examples of good and hope of trying to gather people to the cause of Christ. Because the message of Jesus is exciting. It's not boring. It is not dull. It is one of enthusiasm and excitement. That brings me then to a fourth and a final observation or a lesson that we learn from the road to Emmaus. And that is, the more time that we spend with Christ, the more our eyes are opened. The more time that we spend in prayer, the more time that we spend in word, the more time that we spend serving others and therefore serving Jesus is the more likely that our eyes are going to be open. Go back to the text in Luke chapter 24 and I want us to look at the way that the Holy Spirit records the various things that were happening. Go back to verse 28. They drew near to the village of Emmaus, and Jesus, again still shrouded in mystery, indicated that he would have gone further. But then verse 29 says, They constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it's toward evening, the day is far spent, and he went in to stay with them. These two men constrained Jesus to stay with. I'm convinced that this was a test on the part of Jesus to see how they were going to react to them. After all, they had been taught in the last three and a half years about the importance of loving God and loving your neighbor and loving your neighbor as yourself and doing good unto others. They'd been taught all those basic principles by Jesus, and now would they practice those things? And certainly they were willing to practice by saying, please stay with us. Please do not go anywhere. It's it's even tied, and, and it's, it's dangerous out there, and we want to show you some hospitality by allowing you to stay with us. Because, and this is where it becomes very important, and the lesson just, it seems to me, jumps off the pages of our Bibles. Because... They desired to spend more time with Jesus. Their eyes were opened. You know, it's, it's almost difficult, at least for me, to imagine if verse 29 says, They did not constrain Jesus, and the man, Jesus, went on his way. Their eyes would have never been opened, as rendered in verse 31 if we do not spend time with Jesus, our eyes remain closed. If we do not share the message of Jesus with others, others' eyes will remain closed as well. And what a moment that must have been. I love verse 32. It's my favorite verse in the entire text as I kind of hinted at in the beginning of our study. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, they said to one another. Depending on the versions you read from or study from, you may find it interesting that one particular translation says our hearts were on fire. When Jesus is in our lives, our hearts are on fire. And it should be the case. We should be men and women who, when we read what Jesus has to say, when we see what Jesus has done, when we learn about his sacrifice, that our hearts burn, are on fire. The more time we spend with Jesus Christ, the more we know him, the more our eyes are open, and the more our hearts will burn with fire that's a good thing. That is certainly the story of the gospel message that we have learned to appreciate, that we have obeyed, and that we now have the duty to share with others. Well, that's all well and good, but let me, let me just share with you in our closing couple of minutes here that I believe that the road to Emmaus is more than just a neat story, because it is a neat story, It's, it's a great account to read. It's one of those places that you read and sometimes you read again, only to find you appreciate it all the more. But what about us on our road to either Emmaus or wherever we may be going? Let me share with you the four things that we've talked about and put them into perspective or application for us today. Number one, we'll do well to talk about spiritual things. Again, there's nothing wrong with us talking about sporting events, politics, gardening, cars, and our children and our grandchildren. Those are good things to talk about, and they're exciting. But we need to spend time talking about spiritual things, Let's make a resolution for this week to talk just a little bit more about spiritual things than we otherwise would. Secondly, we should remember that our hopes don't always coincide with God's plans. That's a good thing. That was a good thing for Cleopas and his friend. We were hoping, Jesus says, stop right there, What you are hoping for was the same thing that Peter was hoping for back in in Mark chapter 8. And it was for his own benefit. We are excited about the spiritual things, not about the physical things. Thirdly, we should always be excited about the message of Jesus Christ. Whether that be in learning it ourselves, learning more about it, or sharing that message with others. And we'll have our eyes opened if we spend more time with our Savior. Which brings me then to this question. How much time are you spending with the Savior? Let me reflect on that for myself. How much time am I spending with the Savior? Can I spend more time with him? Absolutely. Chances are you can as well. In study, in prayer, and in service. We hope that these things will be helpful in learning not just about the road to Emmaus in an academic way, but in a practical way for understanding how exciting it is to be with Jesus, to serve him, and to walk with him as we conduct ourselves in service to him. Thank you for watching and for being a part of what we're doing here at Northfield Boulevard. And if we can help you in some spiritual way to pray with you, or if maybe you're ready to become a Christian and to begin your walk with Jesus, we would be happy to baptize you based on the repentance of your sins, your confession of faith in Jesus the Christ. If we can help you in any way, let us know. Thank you so much for watching. Have a good week.